0: Hello and welcome to Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee podcast. I'm Shaitania Brown, President and CEO of Employ Milwaukee, the local workforce development board serving Milwaukee County. One of the great things about workforce development is that it's applicable everywhere. Here in Wisconsin, throughout the state's 72 counties, we have a wide range of communities from cities to suburbs, from urban areas to rural areas, from farmlands to metropolitan environments. And in each of these areas, the workforce development function is reflective of the community in which it operates. So to take a deeper dive into the unique characteristics of regional workforce development, I'm excited to be joined by Mari K. Nabuzni, Chief Executive Officer of the Northwest Wisconsin Workforce Investment Board. In addition to her more than 20 years of workforce development experience, Mari is also a certified personal training and fitness studio owner and operator. I'm looking forward to hearing her insights today because prior to me doing this with her, I actually, Mari interviewed me to give an urban perspective on Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee um, on her podcast. So I gave a perspective from urban communities and now she's given a perspective from rural communities. So welcome, Mari. I am so happy that you were able to join us today.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to chat more with you.
0: So Mari, you have a pretty unique background, so you're blending workforce development and health and fitness. Can you share a little bit with our audience about how you got involved with each of them? And then share any aspects of each area that um, you're able to leverage as it pertains to workforce development and the fitness work that you also do.
1: So, you know, people find themselves in the realm of workforce development. And I feel like we all sort of come in in these different paths and avenues. Nobody necessarily graduates from high school and says, gosh, I just, I really need to follow a career pathway in workforce development. And so similarly, um, I actually graduated with um, a bachelor's in outdoor education and started working for the one of the workforce system providers um, running the summer camp for their high school youth. And they allowed me to have a flexible work schedule and finish out my master's degree um, in parks and recreation from the University of Minnesota. And sort of throughout all of that, I had thought that I would go an entirely different route um, with my career pathway and fell kind of in love with the whole concept of the workforce and the workforce system. And um, you know, I learned all the acronyms, so I had to stay. And so um, I really just stayed with it and decided I really enjoyed it. Obviously, I still had an interest in being outside um, and still an interest in outdoor pursuits and fitness. And so I had to find a way to sort of meld the two of them because both were something that I was passionate about. um, But, you know, they didn't necessarily intersect. And so I started doing a lot more work, um, working with individuals, um, who maybe were just looking at getting into sort of a fitness journey and found that the similarities, um, and, and maybe that's the social work aspect of this, but there was definitely similarities between individuals who were struggling, struggling with barriers to employment, as we're struggling with barriers to self-esteem and health and fitness and overall um wellness. Mm-hmm. And so it worked out really well, um, that I was able to sort of, you know, take talents to both sides. And so, um, always, always having a history in our family of, of being entrepreneurs. Um, I thought, well, I, I see a need and I'm going to fill it. And so started working with individuals for fitness and, and started running, running training programs and helped a number of individuals along the way to some different, um, race events, marathons, Ironmans. And, but it, you know, really it's the same thing either way that you look at it, you know, it's a challenge for an Mm -hmm. individual and then you have to figure out ways to help them overcome. And then on the workforce side, I became really interested in sort of the fitness and how does that impact my employees and my staff and my partners in the system. And so we started looking at, you know, workday wellness and taking two 10 minute paid walk breaks a day when it's not, you know between the months of, you know, (laughs) like March and November when it's pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty nice to be outside. Um, and so, and then found that that was increasing, you know, their, um, productivity and their workload. Um, they were getting it complete on a day instead of, you know, um, maybe feeling a little overwhelmed we incorporated standing desks. And so we sort of melded the two and it's been, um, really fun to do, to do both things and be able to pursue something that you have a passion about.
0: Right. And, and that's interesting because one of the things that I've come to learn in this workforce development space is a lot of folks that I've encountered didn't set out to do workforce development. Actually, it's not, it wasn't even part of the vocabulary because I came from corrections over to workforce development. But even but being in this workforce development space, I can still do the thing that I love to do, and that's work with young people and formerly incarcerated folks, and yet still be in this workforce development space. So there's many on-ramps that, on that we talk about in our space. And then the other piece you mentioned that, I, you know, it's very important, a healthy workforce is a productive workforce. And so as employers, you have to, you know, think about those things because they impact your bottom line or your productivity, regardless of what type of business you are. So shifting gears a little bit, um, as I mentioned, when I kicked us off, you interviewed me to give a urban perspective around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I, you know, invited you to come and give a rural perspective. So, you know, while there are similarities to addressing the needs in the workforce in urban and rural communities, there are also differences can you tell our listeners what are some of the primary workforce development services provided or issues faced in rural communities?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So within, so we have about 10,000 square miles in our geographic service area and transportation is one of the biggest barriers that we see for job seekers and employers. Um, Many of the small rural communities that we serve do not have any sort of public transit system available. And if they do, it's typically Um, a rural transit system where you're looking at buses, you know, that maybe come Mm -hmm. through maybe three times a day. Um, Another issue that we face is just a lack of workforce. So we have a human capital problem um, up here. Um, you know, we know that Wisconsin for years has sort of been aging, um, and a lot of them are migrating North to protect, you know, to, to retire or to do whatever they want to do, or maybe just slow down their lives. And so, and we, and we bleed young people up here. They want, they want to head to Milwaukee, right. They want to (laughs) go to places that are more exciting and, you know, more diverse and just, there's more arts and everything. And so, um, we found ourselves in a bit of a quandary. And that um, in about 14 years, every single county in our 10 county region is going to be almost more than half is going to be over the age of 60. And so we do find ourselves with a demographics problem in our rural areas as well.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we talked about in my interview, you know, jobs, employers wanting job seekers from, say, a place like Milwaukee to come into urban communities. So for urban job seekers who's looking to relocate into rural areas communities for employment. Um, Just from your perspective, from the urban, I mean, the rural uh, piece, how much of a priority is really given now that we're in these buzzwords of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Do you really see lots of effort being put toward that in practices at the workplace as well as throughout the community? Because, you know, I mentioned folks, you you said the young people want to come to Milwaukee because, you know, you have all the things happening here. But when you talk about taking folks from Milwaukee and having them work in rural areas, is there a concerted effort to make that happen?
1: Yeah. And I think that there is now, and I think that you, you know, as as we're seeing it nationally, um, it's becoming more of a focus um, and more of a priority for employers and the communities up in this region to start to explore, you know, and be really honest and have those tough conversations internally and externally about, Are they inclusive? What work needs to be done? You know, we talked for years about placemaking, which is sort of the visual interest of a community or sort of the arts and the things that make a community interesting. But then we really do need to look at the other side, which is sort of all of the, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion efforts that are being done. and, And is it being done? And I think there are some communities in our region that are really leading the charge, Mm-hmm. Um, and some that are still, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to go about this. But I, I do think, as you said, it's, it's needs to be more than a buzzword and, and it, it's becoming more than a buzzword.
0: Mm-hmm. So in terms of, uh, recruiting diverse teams, um, uh, from your opinion and your experience, what measures can businesses introduce to ensure that their recruitment and hiring processes are as inclusive as possible?
1: Yeah. And actually, and I'm going to steal back. We actually did an, one of our other podcasts about recruiting and retaining a diverse talent um, pool. And so I'm going to go back that podcast. Um, that particular guest was great. And um, she actually stated organizations don't exist in a vacuum and it's important to understand which groups have been historically marginalized in their region and then help them determine where to focus their efforts. And so really stopping and taking a look and being strategic, um, about the work that can be done, um, within a business to do that. And some of those, um, different tips and tricks that she sort of laid out, um, was, you know, looking at your job postings, um, being really careful of some of the wording and job description items that you need. And is it a desired skill and ability, or is it absolutely necessary? So are you screening people in rather than mm-hmm. screening them out? Um, Looking at the demographic groups in your community and then advertising your position on platforms, websites, areas that, that individuals frequent that may um, lead to your workforce becoming a little bit more diverse. Taking a stance on what is your company's diversity, equity and inclusion statement and put that out there um, so right. that people do know what to expect and then make it known that there's to applicants that there's the um, ability to advance within your business and offering um, opportunities for advancement, and so making sure that you can create a workforce that looks on the outside like like you you walk the walk, right? So that you have um, shown that your managers, your h- higher level executives, all of that, um, looking at what does that look like from the outside in, and if you were looking at that company, do you think that that looks like a place that you want to be? And so. Um, I think she did a great job in sort of answering that question. And I think every employer is going to have to approach it just a little bit differently, but being transparent and being honest.
0: Right, right. Um, As we know, during this pandemic, it's been noted that generally women have been more adversely impacted than men, due in large part to the traditional role of women as the primary caregiver to their children. And with childcare being a challenge, a disproportionate number of women, are returning to the workforce at a slower pace than men. How has that played out in the area that you serve? Have you seen those same challenges or?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, in our region, tourism tends to be a pretty hot um, industry. And so uh, we go through our seasons up here, but some women uh, we've seen have actually changed jobs entirely and entered into the hospitality industry simply to have more flexible work hours um, and, or work shift work where they can work opposite of their spouse or partner um, in order to do um, the caregiving for any children. Um, and then some have actually switched out of their career entirely, really highly skilled individuals and moved to um, something that may pay a little bit less or be a little bit more risky of an endeavor, but is more flexible for them. Um, And so, and then you know, I think the 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 shining stars sort of that we're seeing women emerge as entrepreneurs, and so Mm -hmm. ones that were like, you know, I just want to create a business that sells pasties, and all of a sudden we have all of these little businesses popping up, and that's helping keep the main streets and some of these rural communities alive as well. And so I think to that piece, that's been a positive, but we are losing highly skilled workers out of the workforce who are taking those jobs that maybe. They, they could be somewhere else and they just need the flexibility right now.
0: Right. You know, and a thought that um, always come to mind, people tend to think, oh, rural areas are way different than urban areas and vice versa. But um, you mentioned a piece that is it's pretty common to both areas. While in urban areas, we do have uh, larger transportation systems, but they do not service all air all of the area so when you said transportation is a challenge of a rural community it's also a challenge of living in an urban community because transportation goes but so far and you have employers who sit just outside of where the buses may actually go or that route only runs two times um, you know in a given time frame so in your estimation What's the biggest misconception that people have regarding employment prospects in rural communities?
1: I think the biggest misconception is that there aren't any good paying jobs and I'll, you know, you can put air quotes around good paying um, and that there isn't anything to do in rural communities. Um, I think even though, you know, most of our region is tourist driven economy and there are other strong sectors like manufacturing and healthcare and they enter or they offer a variety of entry level positions. But there are a lot of really great positions um, in our region that may on paper look a lot less than what mm-hmm. maybe somebody's making somewhere else. But then when you figure in real estate markets and cost of living and all of those pieces, a lot of the times your dollar will go a lot farther um, in a rural community. I think sometimes people forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is you know that other misnomer that I mentioned that there's nothing to do in rural communities and I feel like this was sort of successfully debunked <laughs> during the pandemic but you know people are outside more than ever and sort of enjoying some of these outdoor pursuits and so I think you know there were times where I kept thinking even as myself I can't imagine being like in New York or a really large urban area where you were completely locked down where at least here you had green space and trails mm-hmm. and woods and you know I was like oh thank goodness and so I think um That sort of piece is sort of coming where we're seeing maybe a few people move in now just so that they can take advantage of that um, and not have to be in that situation again.
0: And I would tell you, like, I'm born and raised in the city, been a city girl, didn't really start to know what else existed in Wisconsin until I started working in this workforce development space and the need to, when I worked at the state, travel throughout the state of Wisconsin. And I was just so amazed by what the state had to offer. Um, and it's just, you know, I told myself if I ever won a lottery, I would get a big, some charter buses and take a bunch of urban kids and we would go out um, to some of these beautiful places in Wisconsin and just spend weeks at a time because that's the piece that, you know, we don't, you have all this space. Like you said, the pandemic, you guys were able to spread out when you're very in a city, you're, you're very close. one another and you don't have that luxury and then you're kind of shut in versus really getting out but some people did venture out but wisconsin has a lot to offer when it comes down to space and beauty and just the land in itself and just just seeing it so i would encourage anyone if you haven't traveled to northern wisconsin you really should because it's something to see especially those who's been in milwaukee all their lives I, i didn't even realize the landscape uh, for the state until I actually started doing this work. Um, And if you remember, Mari, we had, um, you hosted one of our WWDA and we had a barn. I don't know what you guys call it, but it was like one of the (laughs) greatest things. Like, I was just totally amazed. What, What do you call it, a barn yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was like an event center, but they took an old barn and renovated it and
1: made it into a restaurant. And yeah, yeah
0: and it was, it was awesome. It was really, really awesome. So I, w- I would encourage people to check it out. You know, shifting gears a little bit over the past couple of years, there's been an increased conversation around this closing the digital divide, not just along racial lines, but also along geographical lines as well, primarily between urban metropolitan areas and rural areas. Has broadband access been an issue at all for job seekers and or employers in your area? Yeah, it does continue to be and it continues to be on a couple of different um, levels.
1: Um, you know, if you've got, you know, nobody's on dial up anymore. I think we've, we've worked past that. But if you've got families that are working and doing school from home, you know, there's just not enough bandwidth um, to get them through. So even if they have internet, the it's not enough um, in a lot of the communities. Um, and then even if you have a smartphone, cell signal, you know, tends to be clustered around the cities, you know, or towns that, that you know, are out there. And so if you're out in the in the real country, there's not a whole lot of um, cell signals to work from either. And so even while it's better than it was five years ago, it's still pretty sparse for the most part, the libraries and some of the others have a good, done a good job of trying to fill some of the void, but again, transportation, you have to be able mm-hmm. to get to the town that has the library. And so that continues to be um, a challenge. We did do a survey on our, our localized job center, um, customers. And so for about six months, we tracked if when they came in, if they had a cell phone, a laptop access, you know, what they were doing. I was actually shocked though. I'll be honest. Most of them had access, Mm. um, in some way, shape or form. So what we had thought was more of a crisis situation wasn't as much as what was reality. Um, like 98% said that they did have a way to get online, whether that was their phone or a laptop or something else. Um, so I I was surprised with that number. And then I will say too, you know, we talk about the digital divide, um, geographically and and along with racial lines too, but then I think also age lines. So for us, it's huge older workers. And so we saw that really come to the forefront when they moved unemployment insurance to online and they just, they didn't have the digital skills to be Mm -hmm. able to go on, even if they had a smartphone, they didn't may not know how to use it, you know? And right. so it was, um, so we found that to be a real challenge too.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, this pandemic has truly exposed a lot of things that we just never even thought about, um, as it pertains to where barriers exist along the lines of all these pieces, you know, Mari, you and I have been in this space for 20 plus years and, you know, kind of seen each other grow up in this workforce development, um, arena. So, you know, my last question for you is as a leader, what do you want your legacy to be when you decide to hang up the hat in this workforce development space? What do you hope your legacy to be?
1: I mean, when you win the lottery and take me with you, (laughs) (laughs) part of your entourage. Um, so I think, you know, I think I, I want to leave behind, um, an effective and innovative system. One that, Um, isn't afraid to go way outside the box and isn't afraid to fail. I think it's okay to fail because then you learn and you're like, well, that didn't work. And I want my staff to know it's okay to fail or it's okay. Like if something doesn't work, but that doesn't mean you didn't try it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're always looking for solutions that are creative and some are going to be great and some aren't. Um, And I really want to leave sort of this, my board and and my staff feeling empowered and courageous to really lead and push forward some of the work that the board's been doing and continuing to do that instead of, you know, necessarily always saying, well, you know, we're just going to do what we know works or stay where it's safe. And I think sometimes it's okay to, it's okay to think big and Mm -hmm. I want them to do that.
0: And I so appreciate um, that thought process. I mean, if you want different outcomes, then you got to do different things and and be okay with failing as long as you're learning from it. You know, Mari, I, I thank you so much for, you know, I have to give you the credit of suggesting this, these podcasts where we both share, our perspective coming from both ends of the state of Wisconsin and um, sharing your insights with my listener and me being listeners and me me being able to share my insight with your listeners. It's it's such a pleasure to always chat with you and, and to share. And, you know, before we conclude, are there any parting words that you'd like to leave my listeners with? No, I just want to
1: say, you know, um, I am a transplant. I was born and raised in Milwaukee and found my way at the very tip top of Wisconsin. And um, I'm so glad that I did have an experience in both settings. And um, I'm just so thankful that you allowed me to be on your podcast. It takes me back close to home and I really appreciate it. You guys are doing amazing work down there at Employee Milwaukee.
0: You too. Thank you, Mari. Thanks for, for being on Workforce Insights with Employee Milwaukee. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee while helping people live their best life as our business. Be sure to like, share, or subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about Employee Milwaukee, check out our website at www.employemilwaukee.org. That's www.employemilwaukee.org. Until next time, be safe, be brilliant, and give it your all.